Hello, this is Riza. And this is Delina. Welcome to To, to Be In. Yes, we're doing it again. We are at it again. I'm so glad we made it. <laughs> so it's dope because this time we've actually started uh, reading one of the elements that we wanted to integrate into this conversation books that might um, provide more context for the discussions that we have right. or um, like a lining. But um, we're reading all about love. Yes, by, the classic. Yes, Bell Hooks. My Bell Hooks legend. I, 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 it just bugs me out that I can't say living legend anymore. Like rest mm. in peace, rest in peace. Yes. That's weird, wild. But yes, this this book right here, I've read several times, and it, it hits different each and every mm. time. Yes, I was really like glad. Like when you were like, "Oh, I'm I'm reading," you know, all about love, and I want to do this. Like, oh, can I read it too? Can I? <laughs> can we read together? I was actually when you um told me like it hits different than when you read it at 23. I was like, "Oh snap! This is mine." First time with it, so that is beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> Love that. Um, do we want to maybe start with I don't know a quote that we really liked from whatever we read? Well, it's it's related to yeah. Let's do a quote that's related to our fun segment, which is the question that is rocking our world this week. And this week, it's about love and radical movements. What does that? look like like there's that quote i i think it's oh my gosh i can see him cornell west who's like mm-hmm. justice is what love looks like in public or something like mm. that and so like there is like this thing about movement movements are about like treating people better right trying to out of out of love and care for the people but if mm-hmm. you've ever been part of any kind of organization i'm talking about if you ever you know was part of like a, a sunday school group or anything you know that like shit gets messy and it's, it's not always about um like the day-to-day interactions do not always match up to like what's the stated purpose of of a group and so I just felt like Bell Hooks and like All About Love, that's such a great like resource to draw from. Like, well, what is like love on a day to day supposed mm. to look like, you know, among mm. people who are like trying to do this and also can like point to some of the reasons why people end up not knowing how to show each other love. I was thinking about what you just said about the Cornell West quote, and it's because of my lack of knowing like actual definitions of things. I know I, I could possibly be wrong, but justice to me feels like what is needed after we've acted out of love, right? Like it feels mm-hmm. like attempting to act in love after harm has been done. I feel like that's what comes into it, but I'm literally like, you know, there will always be conflict. And so yes. it just feels very legal to me. And I'm like, oh, uh. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Department yeah. of Justice. And, right. You know, it's, it has this very harsh context for me of like, after someone has been killed, we demand justice. And I'm oh. like, I don't want justice anymore. I, I want something else. Oh. Um, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I feel that. I feel that, but I also like I like this is the reason why I do enjoy when people like will refer to it like, you know what we have in the U.S. is not a a criminal justice system; it's a criminal punishment system. Mm-hmm. You know things like that because it's for me. I want to retain justice, like mm. apart from what it's become in our culture because Mm. no there's there's there is like this thing of like something to try to offset a harm that was done and really it's just like to punish someone make someone pay for in that the retribution you know kind of thing and i for me i don't think that that what justice is for me i think of like the the root term of 
just like just what's just and like mm. sort of treating each other fairly treating each other with regard and respect like for me like that's what the root of the root of that is and like love is is that same way I mean that gets lost when like our popular culture which is like Belle gets so much into that like our popular culture like well love is a feeling it's when like oh this person I daydream about them or this person you know I get the warm fuzzies I get butterflies around them it's like a feeling and so you can feel all that and still be really shitty to somebody in your actions what you just said is the actual perfect I'm going I found what I would like to say um it's all about love end of the introductory chapter um page 14 last paragraph definitions are vital starting points for the imagination what we cannot imagine cannot come into being a good definition marks our starting point and lets us know where we want to end up As we move towards our desired destination, we chart the journey, creating a map. We need a map to guide us on our journey to love, starting with the place where we know what we mean when we speak of love. Yes, like... You know what's really funny? Chapter two is called Justice. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we can read chapter two real quick. No, Um, that is so funny. My bad. Kind of skipped ahead because we we supposed to be talking about chapter one. My bad. My bad. Next week. Next week. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that that's really important. I think even if I can't, if I read this entire book and it gave me some like super solid definition of love, just in terms of how I know everybody has these different love languages and, and things like that. I really think love will be created in in relation and in context and as we go and what love is to us. Yeah. Um with some hard lines, right? Like love is not violence. Love is not like there are just some absolutes that would have to be outlined. I would love to be outlined, but besides that, I definitely I feel in tune with the idea of an active defining of love. Um, And it's especially relevant to me right now because I am, you know, becoming engaged with organizations doing very amazing radical work um, in the community. These are not nonprofits and these are like grassroots, just groupings of people. And I am literally keeping note of what I am looking for in really camaraderie and and for someone to be calling me comrade, what do I need to feel that? Um, And so one of the things that's coming up for me is that I feel like definitely has to include people being okay with saying love. Mm. Like I know comrade is the the thing, but recently I was um, hanging out with a comrade and they said they loved me. And it was very interesting to me because I was taken aback mm. because I do identify as someone who has like a general love for just the world yeah. and people. And I identify in that way. It took a long time. I lost myself for a second and I was doubting my entire personality even because I stepped out of it. But I recognized that that was a stepping out of character and not a defining of character moment. Yeah. But um, I definitely was shocked, and it was like shocked. Why are you shocked? You know. So absolutely, um, it seems like a different conversation. Like love, like it's it's been so brought into like just the the private sphere of one on one relationships or just you know how in patriarchy it just brings it down to just like the family unit the nuclear family unit is supposed to be the ideal place for love and and that's pretty much it like so like the policies have been shaped around that idea that there's nothing really that you owe outside of your little unit and so how do we support these little units and how do we, you know, all these kinds of things. And so and to even bring up 
the idea of love in a communal way. It's like, first of all, how dare you? That's filthy. Love is between <laughs> on one man and one woman. I mean, literally, right? They tried to like yes. say that for years and years. In a, I mean, it was specifically in a homophobic way. Love is, you know, and marriage is one man, one woman. But like you could replace marriage with love. They also believe that. Not only is it the homophobia, but it's also this very narrow idea of who even owes each other anything. And so you will really never hear a more expansive application of loves. Like, well, you can love your country, like as in being patriotic, that kind of love seems to be okay. But not like, well, I want better housing policies because I love the people. And I feel like they everyone should have a safe place to lay their head. That kind of discussion is not really... It's not really allowed. You have to be like, well, because, you know, crime rates will go down and this and this and this. Yes. You have to like put it in a specific context and give a very logical reason as to why you want to do this thing rather than I just love people. And I I really deeply want people to be cared for and well. Yes. Um, I want people to. Not for the economy, not for production, not for anything other than they deserve to exist no different than trees deserve to exist yes and so this is like the the definition that that bell has Mm. of love which is so helpful because it's one that you can use on like that private one-to-one or within your family friends kind of level but it also works on a communal level i would i was going to say on a, a nation level but i also don't believe that nation states should exist so i will just say you know on a a regional level on a you know it can expand and expand and expand international international all right and so like her definition she got it from m scott peck's self-help book the road less traveled which was first Mm. published in 1978 it is on page four of the first chapter she said that that even M. Scott Peck's definition is like an echoing of Eric Fromm. And what it is, is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. I'm going to say it one more time. Love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Mm. She quotes him further and says, love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. Will also implies choice. We do not have to love. We choose to love. And she adds, since the choice must be made to nurture growth, this definition counters the more widely accepted assumption that we love instinctually. Right there, she takes us out of this, like, oh, I, I got a flutter when I'm around you, or, well, we are, you know, happen to be born into the same family, and so I, I guess I love you. Like, no, are you making the choice to extend yourself on some level for the purpose of this person's spiritual growth? You know, that's it. It's, I just want to say, The rest of it is so important because immediately I think of like my upbringing as like a Christian Uh, and how harmful that was and how religion has been attached to spirituality and, and spiritual health. And so some of my worst experiences in my family were under the supposed benefit for my spiritual health Oh, the violence but it's it's for your spiritual health you're going to burn in hell for your spiritual health it's true which is it's it's, yeah absolute garbage and nonsense and no ma'am like spirit in the sense of the thing that gives us a will to go on spirit in the sense of the thing that is not broken even in like terrible circumstances like whatever this thing is that animates us 
Like they cannot solely define it in the church. They cannot so like they they, they don't get to take that. They try mm-hmm. to mediate that relationship and and say, mm-hmm. well, you need to follow this way if you want this ineffable thing that humans, since humans have existed, have realized about ourselves. Like, what is this? Like, I'm flesh and blood, but I'm also like something more and that's the thing mm. that makes like us want to have a purpose that's the thing that wants that makes us want to build a community have a society where it's like something makes me want to have a legacy and write things down and do all these things when it, if it was just about flesh and blood just eating for today is all i need to worry about just bare survival right would be all that i need to worry about and that would be good but people have had bare survival and been like this is not it this is not Mm. it and what is that part of us and so i feel like that's the spirit that's like no we're in this fucking spooky (laughs) yeah realm this additional element and i think one of the things i was told growing up was like you know you got to worry about yourself um i've always been like a very loving very like extended of self person Mm. and so I'm basically thinking about the fact that people push like a survival of the fit, even when they're not directly referencing it, that that is somehow like our instinct, right? Like, oh, we just, it's survival of the fittest. They will pull Darwin out of their ass. They will pull out Darwin. They will pull out, well, wolves in a pack. Well, you see the type eight. Well, you see, you know, yes. Yes, exactly. And so, since I was born, I felt this extension of myself with other people and this love for other people. And yeah, that was my nature. I'm not saying that that's everyone's nature, but it's the opposite, I feel like, of the individualistic. It's in opposition to our entire socialization. Caring for other people is like a side project maybe in life that you might happen to have a passion for rather than it being like, and a necessary element of living in community with other people, which regardless of whether or not you're in a nuclear family, you are you always in a, a community. wider community. Yes, with other people, always. With other people. And we've tried all of these different ways to mitigate it and like create things that um, keep people from harming each, each other in community while also pushing this rhetoric of like everyone for themselves. And the two cannot coexist. I, for some reason, like, I wanted to understand, like, why why do people act the way that they do and, and went back mm-hmm. to So I wanted to, like, hear how people, you know, lived in, like, before the common era, you know, like, mm. like way, way back from the time, you know, people stopped hunting and gathering and decided, well, we're going to also settle. Well, some people, not all people, some people continue to this day. Like, we're going to roam, we're going to hunt and gather, and y'all mind y'all business. To this day, they're doing it. But, you know, other people were like, well, we want to settle in this little spot, and we're going to kind of put our little huts together, and we're going to, you know, form these, like, social relations. And, like, getting to the point of, like, having something like the Roman Empire. Now, it's an empire, so obviously there's a problem there because— you know, they had their little community and decide, well, now we're going to go and essentially colonize other places. And, you know, they tried to make it cute. They tried to make it cute and be like, well, you all become Roman citizens and you have some kind of rights in addition to getting taxed and, and this kind of stuff. But it was it was an empire. Obviously, there was religious persecution, et cetera, et cetera. But what, why I brought that up is like Justinian law. It was like, as they like had these larger communities, they had to figure out and they were like, what what do we do with the people who aren't behaving well? What do we do when people are harming each other or settle disputes and conflicts between people? And so they wrote up this set of laws, like Justinian law, which is the basis of some of the laws like still in the US and other places to this day. And it is interesting to me because I feel like almost as soon as you get a group of people together for like each other's benefit, it seemed like, and also you got together and were like, and how are we going to 
control these people? How are we going to punish these people? How are we going to punish each other, essentially? I mean, I, I get it on a level because conflict happens. But sometimes shit is just not sweet. And it, it there is this question of what what to do in that case. What happens to the general love that you want to be about and the goodwill that you want to be about when it's just not happening for for you and this other people this other person or this group of people you know what though that that brings me back to the work right like the organizations i've joined um one of the things that's happening actively in both organizations which i think as it should is the accountability mm. right in one of the organizations I'm in and the necessity of it immediately. It was like weeks in and there was like, ooh, like, um, <laughs> and so people were like, yep, we're going to have to discuss this. And then in another group, both groups, there is an like accountability process is going. Mm. And so it brings me to that. And it was, it was an open invitation to the group to come together and work on how, we hold each other accountable. And I think it's a very intense to me conversation because first of all, we're on the heels of the popularized term cancel culture Uh and the attempts of accountability by um, certain people. And it's interesting to me because I don't think that it naturally, well, at least not with the groups that I'm witnessing, I don't think it naturally happened or maybe it did an attempt and now they're recalibrating, which is great. Like, I love it. I love to revisit things. And maybe that's the problem with the fact that our laws are from, yeah. you know, just in the, into like the original society. <laughs> it's funny because we're saying the laws are like passed down from the Justinian law mm-hmm. and the colonization, if that's the right term, them reaching themselves out. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, you're going to get rights. You're going to become part of this community. It could be seen as an act of love, especially, most especially, the religious persecution. Ah, ah. The care for, like, their spirit and the religious persecution um, that continues to this day. Again, there are these things that need to happen that get warped anytime power and, and... trying to affect the autonomy of another human being comes into play. But when that autonomous other human being is affecting another autonomous, autonomous human being, something got to happen. Like something's got to happen. And so one of the things that I think about is freedom being and liberation being having the capacity to remove yourself from harm. And to not have to engage with it any longer. And that being, you know, people are like in cancel culture, like you can't kick people out of community and da 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 da. And I'm like, okay, so what is the alternative then when people are part? And I, again, because I've witnessed so many cancellations that, um, actually, I don't know if I told you this, but the person that I witnessed getting canceled that got me off of social media. I think it was like last year, a couple of years ago. Mm. And it was just so brutal that I couldn't look like at it anymore. Mm. And I got off and literally got off of Instagram for like a long, long time. Mm. Recently basically came back to social media. They got their account back. I felt a bit healed in their return. Mm. People are definitely, you know, have their own opinions, but this is again, what is the goal here and are we getting it by what we're engaging in? And so it is fine for me as a person who has been harmed to not give a shit about another person. Like when I went through my workplace abuse and the group, there were other people who had other people in my position who had been abused and we all came together and ended up like, Um, having to report, like give a report to the board of directors of the organization about the terribleness. And one of the main things they said was like, we can't have emotion in it. And like, 
to the people who were like running how we were going to present. Not only that, but they were also like, we need to pitch this as like, we want better for the health of the organization. But I'm like, I don't give a shit (laughs) about the health of this organization. (laughs) But that was because I knew that the organization wasn't actually doing anything for anybody. (laughs) That would not be the case to me for like, organizations on the ground that I'm a part of now but because that's also a thing sometimes an organization doesn't they no longer need to exist and so sometimes it's like actually no I think from the premise from from the foundation (laughs) this ain't it and so we need to reconfigure we need to reconfigure and and that's not that's not a punishment that is an assessment of what's working and what's not working and some of the same people who were involved in this thing that wasn't working could come together in some other configuration and do great work. But right. how do we get there if we just keep on going with the thing that's not working, where people are getting abused, right. where you know all these things are happening? I don't think I'm interested in large organizations. Mm. I feel that growth for the sake of growth Whew. is... An issue. Please talk about it. Honestly, even now, like some some organizations that I've joined, I'm like rethinking. To be quite honest, I am just asking anyone who's trying to recruit me, or you know, there's a big conversation going right now. Like, join an organization if you want to yeah. make change. And I'm like, and people are asking, okay, which? And they're like, every organization has their problems, but I recommend this one or that one. And I'm just thinking to myself that these are extremely large organizations. I don't know that that's what I want to be doing. I think it ties to what we were talking about earlier when you were like, you're wondering about groups of people at all. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep it local right now. And I'm going to keep it to people that I would see on the street because I feel like that is the core of what might be the make or break element of whether or not I care to go through a process with you. How relevant are you to my life? Am I going to keep seeing you? Like if we are not in deep commitment to each other, you cannot hold me accountable. Yes. And that is it. Yeah. And that gets lost. I think the larger the organization is, the more people be like, you get lost in the sauce. Right. Right. And so when people are recruiting me and I feel like it's anywhere near just the sake of recruitment, I'm like, red flag because mm. and this feels uncomfortable to say I want to be loved wherever I go mm. yeah I want to be loved wherever I go and I don't mean that in a like I want to be seen as a great person who's like deserving of love because I'm so nice and funny and kind I want to be seen as someone who is valued that if I am harmed that I will be focused on. And it's taken a while for me to realize because I've had my own moments where I wanted to like get revenge on people. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was just perceived harm or like just a harm by case of me being who I am under this oppressive system and who they were under this oppressive system and social rejection and pain, I deeply need people who engage with me to be engaged with me after conflict. And to be dedicated to, uh, and that's conflict, not abuse. Yes, there's a difference. Um, That's a completely different conversation. But yes, that's what I need in order to engage. And and that's where I would feel safer. And so that's why it was particularly shocking when a comrade said, I love you, because I was immediately thinking, does love mean to you what it means to Mm me? Mm-hmm. Because this is the thing, and and like you said earlier, in a relationship, like it's gonna be, do these people who are engaging with each other have the same definition? Mm-hmm. Yes, I like Belle's definition, but her definition is not going to be everybody's definition. But mm-hmm. it is useful for the concept that people who are together should have some mm-hmm. idea amongst themselves of what they are talking about and what they mean when they're saying they love each other, what they mean, you know, when they say that they're going to be loving to one another. What is because what it means to this person is not what it means to the next one because of of how our, our culture has like let it be. 
this amorphous kind of thing. And yes, like I am somebody who is very wary of groups because a lot of times, you know, from childhood on the playground or whatever, it, it's about not wanting to be the person singled out. So it was easier for, you know, other kids to like click up with each other and find, you know, some external person outside the group who's like standing there you know playing by themselves or whatever to like I can deflect attention from myself and make sure I'm not the person who's going to get joked on by targeting you know this person over here and now the group of us we're going to strengthen our bond by the way that we exclude you know this person Mm. here I mean that happens sounds like national identity (laughs) this is it like it happens on multiple multiple levels if you want to bond some people together give them someone to exclude you know and Mm -hmm. and it's it's an unfortunate reality and so that made me be like I I, I like to be one-on-one I like to be maybe with two other people but once you get to three four five ten whatever you Mm. might need to miss me with that And it's difficult because I do want to be part of making social change. And it takes a village. It does take a lot of people to do this kind of work and a lot of people to pool the resources and to have this knowledge base that they can share with each other. And so I understand why big organizations came into being with the idea that, no, we are all going to be focus on the same we all have the same goal so why would we not link up why would we not mm. pool our money why would we not mm. fundraise together and so we can cover make sure our interests are covered and, and do these things together on a political level or in a church or whatever like there's so many different ways that people do this it it makes sense and yet what actually happens is I don't really know everybody here, so I just like the the numbers. I like the size. I like the power I feel as I'm somebody whose voice is heard more here. I feel really validated in that. So I want to make sure that people listen to me more than that person over there. I want to make sure that mm. my, my flock is steadily growing and that we have more money and that we're... And so it just becomes about all these other things. Those situations are painful, as you're like the little person in there who does just want to be held and seen mm. and, you know, taken care of on, on some level of like, you mm. really do have my in- best interest in mind. And so I can come here and be fed and I can come here and have connection, you know, find connection when I've been part of groups and like that was not really the agenda anymore to to connect with each other like it's difficult because I you know have been the person who expected rejection because of early experiences in my life and so it really it really would be deflating to be like well social justice organizations and things that are like they have these beautiful principles is this beautiful mission statement this beautiful like oh my gosh like this is like what I would dream of that people would think this way about each other and feel this mm-hmm. way and want to do these things. And then on the day to day level, Listen. it's not that. And, and that includes me. I'm not giving that I'm giving, I'm sitting quietly, you know, looking, looking scared or looking under eyed as my mother-in-law would say, cause I'm suspicious of when you about to come out, you come out of pocket. Who's about to do it. Who do I think I can trust right now? Nobody prove that I can trust you. And that's not really conducive either to building like that, that community connection and, and sense of love. I'm not extending, right. I'm not even contributing myself as a person. But I think that, that leads to, right. The, the, at Kipo, we t- we've been talking about love very much in an external context and what it means for how we relate with other people but it also is a deeply internal thing that it's a cyclical being. So like, if you have not received that, how can you exist in that way? Yes. Like, where are you supposed to get that from? And I think this is where the self-love like conversation loses me because 
in terms of the conversation and what you were saying about the dream of working in these places, that's exactly how I came also to nonprofit mm-hmm. and like why I'm very reluctant to leave nonprofit regardless of the repeated disrespect mm-hmm. and abuse that I've experienced. Like, what is the alternative? The private sector where people are asking you to be apolitical and have no feelings and like are unashamed in the brutality of their workplace culture mm-hmm. and very much believe in the doer, the the sink or swim mentality. So where am I safer? Am I safer in this group that thinks this is what they're doing and I can attempt to like tell them how they're not, even though it never actually works? Um, or should I go where everybody's just cold and steely and I go in there? And this is also informed by, and, and this is where, you know, for me it gets really convoluted because we're low-key all here in terms of work uh-huh. because we need to survive on yeah. our, We need food to mm-hmm. eat. <laughs> And the capitalist the system we work under, I have to be somewhere being productive in order to mm-hmm. eat. And that's one element of it. But I'm also saying that for me, I am very much a community-oriented person and I need it in order. So even if I had just a job that I was cold and steely at, I have to have an element of my life of care and intercommunal an intercommunal like element and be a part of a community. And so when I'm coming into that, I'm like, also, yes, I'm choosing to be here. And I very much, I'm going to be right out and say, I need you. And I need you to be in right relationship with you. I need external love as well, in addition to an internal love. And I do think that I had to do a lot of healing from a lot of things before I was able to return to my self and figure out how I really want to move in the world Mm -hmm. and to move from that place. So I deeply identify with you. Like I was rushed into dynamics where I was untrustworthy and which ended up in me stepping out of alignment with love and actions towards other people due to my environment. Yes, yes. And, and Belle has a word for us on that as well. Um, so, okay, page six, chapter one. She says, an overwhelming majority of us come from dysfunctional families in which we were taught we were not okay, where we were shamed, verbally and or physically abused, and emotionally neglected, even as we were also taught to believe that we were loved. For most folks, it is just too threatening to embrace a definition of love that would no longer enable us to see love as present in our families. Too many of us need to cling to a notion of love that either makes abuse acceptable or at least makes it seem that whatever happened was not that bad. And right above that, she says, you know, when we understand love as the will to nurture our own and another spiritual growth, it becomes clear that we cannot claim to love if we are hurtful and abusive. Love and abuse cannot coexist. Abuse and neglect are, by definition, the opposites of nurturance and care. And that's something that I've like been coming to terms with in therapy. Mm. In mm. the, the the mutual aid program that I'm in, which is a 12 step program, mm. um, you know, I really didn't get the tools of like how to be loving because my family was not lo- loving in that way to me. It was absolutely, absolutely. neglect and absolutely. Um, it was neglect and care, which is one of the things she talks about. There's a difference between care and love. Care can be food. Care can be, oh, I, I'll make sure your clothes are clean. I'll make sure your hair is combed. And most of us, like, we have to accept that as, well, that's love then. You know, like, well, yeah. yes, you made sure I had a place to live and you made sure I had food in my stomach and clothes on my back. You know, what that really brings to me, too, there's a saying in my house I don't have to like you, mm. but I love mm. you. And it would be different to me if it came in a way that wasn't just about like, I'm going to care 
for you, which people mistake as love, mm-hmm. but it also is like a bid to, you know, regardless of whatever possible abuse yeah. or neglect may happen, we are family. Yep. And so, and so I think if we, I think it's almost like in order to, because it keeps coming up, right? Like I'm like, yeah, this and this and this, except abuse. Yes. This and this and this, but it's not care. So in order to define love, we're also defining what it is not. Yes. What happens when you haven't been shown love? And I think I love that it says the majority because I used to think I was unique in my experience, not very unique, mm-hmm. but I just have this feeling. I'm like, other people know how to love, and I yes, don't. Yes, I felt like that. Oh, my gosh. Like, other people are affectionate. Other people can come in and come in the room and feel like they're going to be embraced, and so they go up and talk to people and things like that, and I'm, like, hanging back, scoping things mm-hmm. out, staying under the radar until I feel like it's safe to pop out and mm-hmm. all of these kinds of things. But, you know, coming to recognize, like, no, like, sometimes what I'm seeing is other people making their bid to be lovable. So if I come in and I talk to you, yeah, yeah, like, talking to you about it, and you be like, no, I come in and I I do all those things, like, so that you will like me, and you'll want me around, and you'll, you know, and then afterwards, you still have the doubt of what did I say, Mm -hmm. what did I do? is that really does this person actually like me that was why did I say that all those things so it's like that was something I didn't know that it, it's not just a me thing I felt very very much broken and just like a, a bizarre mm. kind of person but you know what I've learned um little by little step by step is that I, I I became the the person that I was bound to be growing up in the environment that I that I grew up mm. in. And so mm-hmm. that that part is not on me. What is on me is what I do from here. I can't just say, well, I grew up in this kind of like neglectful environment where, you know, I had parents who if I did what they wanted me to do, then sure, you can come around, come sit in the room, watch the movie. If I did not do it, then I don't want to see you. You can go to your room. You can be, you know, on your own. You soothe yourself, you know, if you're upset. Go somewhere until you calm down, that kind of stuff. And so, yes, I'm going to grow up to be someone who self-soothes and don't doesn't want to show people my hurt and doesn't want to show people my vulnerability. And that's very much a part of being really in community with people if if they, if you can't show your vulnerability, which is showing like your needs and all of that, then it's very hard for people to actually like be with you and meet you where you are. And so I've just been learning to try to practice doing that in small mm-hmm. ways with, you know, the people in the 12 step group, you know, in those little rooms mm-hmm. where we are just piping up with what's going on with us this week or you know, what this reading we just did made us think about and, you know, trusting that after we give our share that the people in the room are just going to say, you know, thanks, Delina. And they're not like, why would you say that? That was the dumbest thing I ever heard. They're not going to get up and walk out. They're not going to, you know, it's like practicing that, like, no, people, people will stay with you. People respect you. People won't criticize you down all of those things Mm. like that's something like it's not enough to intellectually think that's possible but I need to actually be in that practice and experience Mm. that with complete strangers over and over and over again and even doing that I've been in that group or these groups um, since 2019 and it's still of course it's hard to to really trust and feel that. And sometimes I still have that broken feeling like, oh, I know other people who after three years in this program, they were like, yeah, I was able to trust and I was able to open up and I was able to do this. And I'm I'm still not there. I mean, I give myself partially a break. It's like, well, a couple of those years have been a pandemic for me. I don't know that that was the case. <laughs> Absolutely. And also something I think about, I don't know if it's true or not, you know, but something I think about is how they say, I saw this thing once that was like, if you were in a relationship, it could have just been some BS, but I liked it. 
it was like if you were in a relationship for a year and it wasn't great or if it was actually abusive it will take you at least half that time oh yes at least half that time to to like work towards a, a different you know paradigm or whatever a, a different energy uh healing yeah and so if we're admitting that we grew up in dysfunction sometimes abuse mm -hmm. neglect basically a lack of love in the environment didn't know love what is your timeline then? Right. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that sometimes I get upset with people because they're like, yeah, you know, you that whole thing goes on. I was like, yeah, whatever happened, happened, but it's your responsibility to heal. And it's like, I got you. I hear you. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was there for at least 17 years. So give me that. Give me you that. Know, yes. Give me that. Um and not even just 17 years. Like that's, you right, know. Because it's continuing. You're still in connection. <laughs> it's it's continuing. It's not only that, but like who ha who's, who right at 17 was like, I need to heal from my <laughs> environment. No. Like I went to work. And I went to it. work and I worked two, three jobs. And then I got like went to school and worked two, three jobs. And I had, and that's what really happened. I, my trauma didn't get to a, a moment of a note until I was able to sit down and take a breather. And that wasn't until I got to Smith. Yes. Right. Like, yes, that was the time I didn't have to like hustle to like have a place to live. like, okay, I've already did the hustling yeah. to land the system. Like, all right, well, we're going to give you this essentially a scholarship, whatever for this amount of time. Yes. So for this amount of time, you're cool. You just go to your classes and the classes yes. is not 40 hours a week. Even with the studying right. and whatever, that's not that's not forty hours a week. So you have way more time than you've had ever to to be doing things I want to do and spending time with who I want to spend time with and learning about <laughs> the breakdowns of social structures and how they function and how they have affected our society and the world. Society's the world over. It's like okay. I have been fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then uh, top it off with, I, I I saw this thing. I need to like start trying to look up the things after I mention them. But I also read a thing that was like, um, yeah, for a lot of people, their trauma hits late late twenties. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Or like early thirties. Did not know that. And so that time of sit down i think naturally it would have caught up but also they they say that that's the wow. time when that shit hits wow. uh, where it starts to really blow up also the environment that i was in yes um so yeah it was a moment of rest but also it was a moment of it's also like, pressure pressure and there's so many things but i say all that to say also um 17 years of neglect and dysfunction, not to mention all of us spending all of our lives under like capitalism mm -hmm. and the ways that it has like affected all of us. And so I say that to you to say that maybe let that be your timeline instead of the person. Who yeah, did this I know. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, hmm. And then the, the other thing is the people, I mean, I also know many, many people who have been in it for 10, 15, 20 years. And they're like, mm -hmm. I still have to go back to the first steps sometimes. I mm -hmm. still, you know, if I miss meetings for a while, I don't do my readings, I will be right back in, you know, my old habits mm -hmm. and the things I used to do. Like you don't, like so many yes. people say, you don't graduate from this program. Like you have to continually, yes. continually practice it and like, I mean, of course, at the beginning, I was very dedicated to, like, practicing, practicing, practicing as hard as I could because I just wanted to be different. I wanted to be better. I mean, that mm. was the thing my whole life of wanting to be different, wanting to be better. Mm. But this was in a, a slightly different way. It's like, well, I also, I want to be better at forgiving myself. I want to be better at being mm. gentle with myself. And it, in doing that, mm. I was finding myself being less judgmental of other people, giving other people more space to make a mistake and not 
immediately just cut Yo. them off, you know, immediately say, oh, this is who you are as a person and da, 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 da. Like my, my sponsor would be like, do you want someone to give you only one chance? And, mm. and that's it. I'm like, no, I want to see, I had a bad day. I had a this, a da, 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 da. And like, I started to notice like the same internal critic I have that, I mean, when I do make a mistake, I want to throw myself away. I just can't. I'm stuck with me. But <laughs> listen, and this is making my heart beat fast because I think that this is my controversial opinion. But I think that that's where cancel culture actually comes mm. from. We are all extremely, because of the environments we live, because yes. of the self-critical yeah. right no different than you see me as someone you originally saw me as someone who was just free and outgoing mm-hmm. and da, 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 and then to know me intimately i'm like ah that's that's fraud <laughs> you know like i am just as deeply like oh you fucked up like oh my god never show your face again and wanting to throw myself away and that would extend itself to other people yeah. and so i guess it takes us back to the definition love is as love does if i lack that yeah that self love and that like patience for myself and i think i said it years ago like after one of my um episodes i was like i cannot give you anything i do not have mm-hmm. and so i have these high standards for other people that are honestly on a constant level unattainable because I have them for myself. Yep. Yes. And yes, I, yeah, I don't give myself grace. So I didn't give you grace. And, and looking back, that's, that's where a lot of that came from. Yep. And that's also why I, it's an entire, I think as a generation, if we're saying, if we're saying that shit hits the fan, not weird, but I read a thing that said shit hits, mm-hmm. the, shit hits the fan, late twenties, thirties, right. For a good group of people. And we are considered like millennials as a generation mm-hmm. who have, as a group, experienced all of these events together in addition to all of the systems we're living under together. Yeah. It was a right time for Ooh. cancel culture. And I feel that we may have, and you'll see it reflected in the organizations that popped Ooh. up too, and the movements that popped up yeah. too how it got a little punitive and it got a little intercommunal, not a little, a lot of intercommunal violence and things. Mm-hmm. That's the trauma. That's the cancellations. That's the self-hatred. And I feel like they're that lull that people are talking about, like this natural movement, they, they rise and they ebb and they flow, which is true, true as well. But also shit hit the fan for us as a generation with our trauma. Mm-hmm. I think individualized or feeling individualized trauma and also the in cycle our, yeah yes in our cycle while we were simultaneously trying to do social justice work mm-hmm. you know people like to make fun of people like oh they were social justice warriors i think that that was probably a natural outcome mm-hmm. honestly for everything if you put all of that shit together and i watched so many not so many i heard of so many cancellations I watched one and that shit like rocked my world and, and it and it made me fearful of ever speak. So on top of my own inner critic and then the environment that we have created and I would put myself in there of like being hypercritical of other people. Because mm-hmm. we have been hurt and we do have reasons to be on the lookout, but trying to notice the difference between, you know, someone with tremendous power to continue to enact abuse and and someone who's just kind of being obtuse and they don't they were you know over speaking overstating what they understood and overstating what they could do in the organization and so it's kind of gotten messy like that causes problems and natural messiness of being a human Mm -hmm. giving ourselves that space extending that space to others there needs to be that definition like okay this is the this is mess right i'm gonna give you all the way up to that's mess and then once we get repeated and once we add power real power power, and you formalize this and you've got people 
who now you you carry out the harm and then you got people covering up the harm that you've done and you got people to no. continue the harm that you're doing. This is this it. is a different fucking conversation. That distinction is very clear. And I would witness things in organizations. And that's and again, that brings me back to the the organization. No different than you're you're we're we're both engaging in practices mm. and in trying to practice love mm. and trying to practice being in community. We're just doing it on different level. I'm doing it in organizations that are like but like when I, I go out to organizations, it's not in I I still haven't been to like an organization event where it was more than like maybe thirty people. Mm. And so that's like, you know, I kind of that's semi intimate. Mm. Oh, baby, not me. <laughs> <laughs> like intimate is like having a group of, you know, ten people. Ooh. You know, and like even though and so we have these different levels, right? And I think there's also it's funny that you you're saying all that because the one on ones, I think I talked to you about this, the one on one hangouts is where I really have to do head work. Mm. That's more to me than it is to engage in a group dynamic mm. where I am not necessarily on the spot at any time. Even though I do think I kind of like am a clown naturally. <laughs> like I have to there's, there's been a lot of work of identifying who I am as a person and, and, and extracting it from like, oh, what was a trauma response and who am I actually? And so you're actually just a joyful honey bun, you know, mm-hmm. a joyful love bug that is also just, just who you are as well. Thank you. And I, that that's one of the things, right? Like a distorted sense of self. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the results. So I am like that. And so... <laughs> I enjoy larger groups where I can like do all it's of that. It's a beautiful thing too to see when you like you, you're holding court. Because <laughs> <laughs> you be alive, I boy. I do. I do love it. I do love it. I um I often, and this is how I knew what one of my love languages were. I don't really identify with the actual like titles they give things, but one of my favorite moments in my entire life has been I did a gathering a bonfire I've done several of them in Chicago on the lakefront and um bringing together all these different people from different different elements of my life there was family there Mm. there were people that I worked with there were people that I dated and and their friends that had become my friends and I was in a I was standing back at one point just crying and admiring the moment because and I'm like that's who you are that's who you really love this shit <laughs> this is your shit. you love to be with people having a good time and be with people who yes. are safe be with people who have have food and and they have you know like you you love it you so love yeah, it i think that that's we are practicing trying to be in love in a right relationship and different dynamics mm-hmm. in the same way that i believe that i don't want to be necessarily in some super large thing i think that any type of requirement that i thrive in a room larger than the 30 i want to no different than you know unless that's something i want and need for myself i think of you too when i'm like you if you don't love a room of 30 you don't ever have to love a room of Mm. 30 why push ourselves that far yes i i receive that like that's one of the things that i loved about um, emergent strategy where it was like, well, we can, you know, we can have our smaller organizations, our smaller groups and be in coalition when we have to all yes. come together and be the larger flock. Like Adrian Marie Brown uses like murmuration, like how the starling mm. birds, you know, they make those giant like groups in the sky and they can make different shapes as they fly around. But that each of them, they're only paying attention to the seven birds closest to them. And by them doing that, they have these big, large, coordinated, you know, shows, these these big displays that you can see. So she was like, oh, no, we can be fractal. We can be small and still come together in coalition when we need to and then go back to our our fractals, our our smaller groups. And I was like, thank you for saying that. (laughs) Yay. <laughs> period. I 
love that. I'm seeing that visually right now, and I'm loving it. Yes. Shout out to our, our our fractals. Shout out. And and I think that also speaks to if harm happens, right? If harm, if we come into this greater group, and harm happens, I can, without trying to affect the autonomy of another human being, remove myself yes. mm-hmm. from being in relationship with them. If I experience abuse you know i can remove myself from being in relationship with this person this goes on to my rant i was having on instagram which is i would like to extract myself from this violent ass capitalist society and in order to do that that's why i love what we're doing here i first have to find my group Mm -hmm. and find my community and find who i intend to exit with yes Mm -hmm. yeah Yes. <laughs> get out. Get the fuck out. Say Let's less. Go. Say less. <laughs> Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you. Uh, and also, thank anyone out there who might be listening. Yes. And we will, we will see you next time. And also... We will eventually be posting a book report with highlights from all yes. of them. Yes. So look up for that. That's right. Bye.